Hi, I'm Andrew. And I'm Jason. And I'm Martin. This is Hemispheric Views. surprise episode 65 is not normal remember the good old days when every show was reliable it was like your rock you knew what you were getting into you'd show up there would be the same three people maybe a fourth person that would be nice but no that's not that's not where we're at if you remember a little ways back andrew decided you know what i'm gonna just not show up one of the weeks that we're going to record. I'm going to go on a little family holiday, as always. And if we recall back almost two years ago, one of the stipulations, really a blood contract that we had, is that every episode would have all three people every time or else dot, dot, dot. That was in the contract. So we have Andrew leave for an entire episode leaving Martin and I to just fend for ourselves. And it was okay. We, we thought, you know, we're going to say we're going to allow one. We're going to one time we're going to allow someone to be gone. So then the next recording comes around. And what happens? Martin decides he's going to not be here. So now we've got two shows out of whack. And now we've got not only that, we've got a guest on the show today. So at least we're back to three, the magical three. But... The only reason I'm going to allow this to slide from Martin's perspective is generally I am outnumbered every single week. Two Southern, one Northern, every time. The tables have turned. We now have our special guest, Mr. Scotty Jackson, who is, I will point out, specifically Northern Hemisphere. So now we're 2v1. What do you think of that, Andrew? Um... Well, I invited Scotty in the initial instant, so it's my own fault, so I can't really complain. <laughs> I am excited to be back with full fidelity microphones. This is exciting, rather than my dodgy X-Mouth 3G experience. We've gone even more Northern Hemisphere. Scotty Jackson, welcome to Hemispheric Views. Where exactly are you located? Well, thank you very much for having me. And and and, and, and it's true that the, the, the tables have turned from a hemispheric balance perspective, but from a Commonwealth nation perspective, we're still, yeah, I know. I'm sorry to disappoint yeah. you, Jason, because I am, I am, uh, I am joining, uh, live from my isolation room in Alberta, Canada, uh, which is in the, for those not familiar with, uh, Canadian geography, it's in the mountain time zone, uh, just one province to the right of, the west coast and vancouver area which would be the biggest the biggest like internationally known metropolitan area of canada uh from where i am i suppose classic trojan horse see see what happens i think i'm being given a gift i bring the gift in bunch of little soldiers come out and take over my whole village so isn't that great that's right the queen's image on all the bills Scotty Jackson, why are why why did Andrew bring you here? What was the? Well, I guess I'll ask Andrew first. What made you even think to reach out to Scotty to have him graciously join us today to chat about stuff? I guess I have actually been secretly stalking. We don't use the word stalking, do we? I think that's probably out of favor. Yeah, maybe just um, befriending from afar. There you go. 
the Canadian comes out already. Look at that. Just already rephrasing all of your, your bad Australianisms. So perfect. So that's, that's where our countries do differ. Canadians immensely polite. Australians, just a bunch of assholes. It's um, true. It's very true. Yeah. So I followed Scotty for longer than he probably realizes on his website. Um, he has a really nice blog where he talks about his various um, adventures in shortcuts and other bits and pieces. And so I've been reading that blog for a long time. I've also listened to his podcast on and off, uh, Nested Folders. Sorry to steal your thunder there, but I've been... So I've sort of known Scotty as being this guy out there in the world that does interesting things. Um, but more recently, I readopted the application agenda. Now, Jason, you'll know my my ins and outs with note-taking apps, right? Oh, do we ever. I have a long, long story history about that. But agenda, I'm finding really helpful at the moment for specifically for work stuff. Um and Scotty has developed these amazing shortcuts that integrate um, OmniFocus, which I love, agenda, calendars, the whole shebang. And so, and I reached out with a couple of questions for him on his blog. He replied back and we got back and forth and then away it went. And so I don't want to steal all Scotty's thunder. So that's how I discovered him. But yeah, over to um, Scotty to maybe talk about what those shortcuts actually do <laughs> and a bit more than you might want to say. Well, I, I mean, that's how I became a Hemispherian, truly. I, I mean, from, from, from then a a Andrew reaching out and then me discovering this podcast and I asked Andrew, like, what's the, what's the best like beginner episode for like an onboarding experience? Um, and he, and he suggested the episode old mate, which was a great choice because, because he said like, he, he, he said like, maybe you'd like to, maybe you'd like to guest. And I, and I'm always a little bit circumspect because, you know, you, you never know what you're being invited to necessarily. You don't want to show up to a room and all of a sudden there's, you know, a whole bunch of goat's blood everywhere. And you know, you're, 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 you've been asked to bring a cup and you didn't know why. And so I, I needed, I needed to do some field research. And so I listened to that episode and it was about like eight minutes in. And I think I, I pulled over and I emailed Andrew. I said, okay, well I will be on the show, but only if we can do an episode that's at least eight hours long and we're all just best friends at the end. Um, because listening to the, the three of you together was just, that, that that was fantastic and that's to me that's the magic of what podcasts are for is there's there's content but it's it's the personalities and the people that you the that you show up for and, and hang in with well thank you that's a super kind of you to say that by the way that's very generous i, I mean I, I love i love meeting meeting new new folks and discovering new new stuff so 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 thank you very much for for this I, as far as shortcuts go i mean i I'm a super nerd in that, you know, I've had a computer in my home since I was pre-kindergarten. So I've been online in some form or fashion since the late 80s. And, uh, but I've never been a developer. So I, I understand how technology can be helpful and wonderful. Uh, and I love exploring new things and, I am excited by technology being useful to me instead of me serving technology, which is what, you know, a lot of learning DOS and, and living in a Windows environment felt like uh, for, for many years. And so when, 
when workflow came out, I thought like, this is, this is my jam because now I can just drag and drop visual boxes and I can fill in the blank and I can string together actions. I understand like some of the principles of, of coding and scripting. Um, so to, to get like a Lego version of that just sung to my heart. Cause I thought now I can do the stuff that I always wish I could do, but I don't have to learn Apple script or JavaScript or superscript or was was workflow and ios your first intro into this kind of thing or did it start earlier back in your windows days or was was it more of a like automator mac type scenario what was kind of the the jumping off point i mean my 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 biggest jumping off point like being like super honest well i i, I wrote basic in grade school as a way of like doing science projects and stuff like that, as I would write little text games or so on in, in, in basic, um, in DOS. Um, and then that gave me enough fundamental platform for me to learn MIRC script for hmm. the IRC client, sure. MIRC. Nice. For those, for all, shout out to all my FNet friends from the nineties. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah. I have a very strong love for uh, producing um, electronic music and ambient sounds and so on. There was an uh, app, and I believe it still exists, from a company called Native Instruments called Reactor. And Reactor is um, like a, a whole bunch of visual blocks that you chain together to make sound. So it, it's almost like scripting sound by saying, okay, well, I'm going to take a waveform, then I'm going to shape it like this. I'm going to modulate it like that. I'm going to amplify it and distort it and all of these different things chain together. So I would build reactor instruments, which is, again, a very similar sort of thing. Um, I never got into Automator. I, I got my first Mac in, in 2005. I never got into Automator. I think the UI just sort of put me off a little bit. It just it still had that kind of Lego building block sort of approach, didn't it? But it 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 just seemed a little more little more programmery, <laughs> if that's a word. Yeah, I, I in general the Aqua interface was something that I think I tolerated more so than enjoyed. Um, the design language of of the Apple OSs of modern day are very. Um, feel very natural to me as the kind of person who, when I need to sort out my head, I will like grab a piece of paper, write a something at the top, underline it, and then just start writing a whole bunch of stuff down. And, and apps today, I feel very paperish in that regard and that the UI kind of gets out of your way a lot more. Whereas in, in that era, the UI was very heavy and very intrusive and structured that's the first time. That's re- I just want to pick up on that. That's probably the first time I've ever heard anybody say, and don't take this the wrong way, Scotty, that they prefer the new look. of. You, you often hear people referring back to the good old days of the lickable aqua interface and all that kind of stuff and how mm. beautiful it was and how you know, apparent it was when something was a button and when it wasn't and that kind of stuff. You're the, probably the first person I've ever heard who said, no, I actually prefer the new stuff. I just find that really interesting. Um, you know, and I'm not asking you to justify that in any sense. It's just an observation. I feel like you you have to explain it less. Like it feels more 
natural to me. Like if, if, like if I was to wireframe or sketch out a user experience on a piece of paper, I feel like that would look more like a modern web or app experience. Whereas those other ones before were like, yeah, it's very clear what a button is, but that also for my mom, now that seems like, oh, that's a big button. I don't know. That seems scary. You know, you know what I mean? Mm. Like it almost feels like threatening in the weight of its UI presence. I, I, I don't, I know that a lot of people are, are, are very nostalgic for the, you know, bubblegum, bondy blue apples of yesteryear, but maybe that's just because they got their apple tattoos too early and, uh. I feel like there's two things about that. One, we were in such a transitional period in terms of what computers could even do that design of interfaces somewhat had a very heavy influence from the fact that we can do this now. So let's go ahead and do it Mm. to show how powerful these machines are. Whereas nowadays, power is basically unlimited. So that's not a thing anymore. And I do feel like there is that that concept of being in a place and in a time so that today you look back and go, oh, it was so much better when you flash back to that time. People bitched and moaned just as much back then about the things as they do now. They just, they only really remember those like positive, like fun parts of it. So I think technology being at a kind of growth point in its, in its evolution, being able to create a lot of these interfaces was more so the reason then we needed it to look like that. It's like, we can make it look like that. And it's not DOS anymore. It's this big, boisterous, big blue buttons and stuff because we can do it. So let's do it. And I think that's where a lot of the, I at least feel like that's where a good portion of that came from. That's probably very true. I think the other element of, of that is that uh, in that era, there is a very, uh, sort of monopolist space for each kind of category of app, right? Like, so if you had a word processor, because you didn't have a notes app in those days, you would have a word processor. And that was going to be either Microsoft Word or Claris Works, or if you were a holdout weirdo, maybe you're still using Lotus. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, I'm not judging anybody. That was probably I'm Andrew. just trying, I'm trying to be funny um, as a Canadian. And now I have to apologize. Um, and, and that's it. That's all there was to it. And so we were slaves to those UIs. We had to learn how those worked. Now, you know, you bring up Agenda, uh, Andrew, which I, of course yep. I'm a giant fan of, but you can have this note-taking app that serves its community of a hundred users. And you can have hundreds of different notes apps that all approach note-taking and the UI of, of note composition entirely differently. You don't have to be that one app that serves all the people for that for that vertical of thing, you can approach it in your way and and have, you know, an, enough users to get by as a as a developer or a software company, um, and 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 that's and that's fine too. So I think that that also opens up the door to a lot of creativity and and approach if you if you don't feel like you have to be the app that is selling millions of copies. Yeah, and we we mentioned agenda again there. Um, just for people who may not know, agenda is like a a note-taking app that's inherently linked to calendar events. Um, so it sort of breaks things down into projects and ties back to calendar events. It's quite clever in the way it works. Some people either get it entirely or they are entirely befuddled by it. So it's kind of like Scotty says, it's sort of everything has an audience. Um, but I'm just wondering, have, has, have the agenda developers reached out to you at all? We've chatted on, an, on a number of different occasions. I, I, I'm in the very early days of nested folders, they were kind enough to sponsor an episode where we experimented 
very lightly with 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 sponsorship. We did we we've done two different sponsor. We wanted to be very selective about how how we did that, and so we've been sponsored by Devon Think and oh. by uh, Agenda, which are which are you know two apps that we both uh, Rose Mary Orchard, who is my co-host, and I uh, um, both have a lot of affinity for. Oh, this podcast just got longer. I'm sorry, Devon Think as well. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. There we go. What we're going to need, I think, is to start a spreadsheet um, that. Uh, oh, and then you mentioned spreadsheets. Oh, Jesus! Oh my! It's over. I'll I'll just leave you two. Uh, I'll put myself on mute. Go ahead. I had I had to do that. I, I, I felt like spreadsheets were going to get underrepresented. We, I've had a chance to chat with them on a couple of occasions. We've we've talked about how, how uh, different. Uh, shortcuts uh, I'm making work. They've been kind enough to extend their URL scheme based on some of the suggestions uh, that I've made about, gee, it would be really cool if we could do X. Um, and they've been very, uh, very kind in, in listening. I'm not an agenda user, so I obviously have not used your shortcuts for agenda. I'm curious if they are, are your shortcuts more about just strictly automating things that exist in agenda already? Or are you more in the realm of sort of prototyping, call it a feature, if you will, things that maybe could be done that you're just doing via shortcuts versus something that's built into the app? Or maybe it's a combination of both. I would say that my shortcuts spend the most of their horsepower on um making the wine hmm. and then agenda happens to be the goblet what a lot of my shortcuts do is um look into the various different realms of content that i have stored whether that's in calendar events or tasks gather all of that up format it into some readable text and then plonk it into agenda as um, formatted markdown. I could easily adapt my shortcuts to, you know, do a lot of the things that they do. And then the end result of the text ends up instead in something like drafts or IA writer or day one or uh, some other pages. Devon um, think. <laughs> Devon think. We could save it as a text file. Or CSV into a spreadsheet that would be ideal and then you can and then you could also log the time that you spent on that on a per item basis and then <laughs> what you do is you then take that spreadsheet and you export it and you bring it around <laughs> to your friends Martin and Andrew and Jason and you have them analyze it on a podcast <laughs> and 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 Jason is absolutely delighted um, the entire time mm-hmm. yeah absolutely Absolutely. The more spreadsheets, the better. Yeah, if we could definitely add in more of the CSVs, that would be fantastic. I, I have, can I do, can I do real talk on shortcuts for a second? Because Scotty, you're like, you are all about shortcuts and you're, you're very good at making them. Andrew's using your shortcuts. I, I, I want to play like the other side of shortcuts for a second here, if I could, and just say that I love what shortcuts represent. I love the accessibility that it lends to the average person to be able to build and construct 
almost applications to some degree without having any programming knowledge, like you alluded to earlier, right? Where you don't have to know a, a, any bit of Swift code or Objective-C or anything, or even scripting languages to be able to build a shortcut. And I think that's super great. The issue that I consistently run up against, and I'm, I'm curious, but I feel like I end up falling into this, this realm of, I spend more try more time trying to keep them working <laughs> from version to version and then I do getting any real benefit from it. So it's like I have fun making it, but then I fall into this sort of I'm just going to go back and just do whatever the apps normally let me do. No, you're you're not wrong at all. I I think I think that's where you have to be very careful about what is worth spending time automating. Like I think when, when you start thinking about shortcuts as an application or as a platform or as an opportunity, you, your instinct is to open up the app and say, okay, cool, well then let me build a shortcut, which I think is an, unfortunately backwards. I think what you, what you need to do first is run into some sort of problem or realization of, geez, I keep doing this thing over and over again. Oh, maybe I'll open up shortcuts and see what I can do about that. Hey, Scotty, I just want to change gears just a little bit with a sort of almost a concluding question, but um, one that is not exactly shortcuts related. I was talking to my wife, a dedicated listener of Hemispheric Views, and I was explaining that uh, I, was, I was going to be speaking with you. Um, and she was like, yeah, shortcuts, whatever. I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, but her question was, she said to me, how do you find these people? Right? And I said, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. But he's like, Scotty's known around the community. I feel like you're known. And she suggested, can you ask the question, like, how do you become known? Like, you've got your podcast, you've got your, your blog, you're doing all this stuff. And how do, you, how do you become known in this community? How do you reach out and achieve this broader awareness in the Apple community? Because that was something she was saying. She's like, how do you, like, all these people out there doing these things, how do they all build an audience and it was it was an interesting question because she was she was curious to know about you know you and your background and, and it's the same challenge i think we have as well at hemispheric views is we're talking about this stuff how do you get the word out um it seems like you've been somewhat successful in that if if you've ever been to a work conference like one of those vendor hosted conferences that is not in your city you have flown to this vendor hosted conference and all of the people in the room have a shared interest in something, but you know nobody. Step one is figure out who your best friend at this conference is going to be. And you hang out with that person and you say, you're now my best friend. And we're gonna we're gonna just sort of roam around and you're gonna introduce me to the people that you might know by some sort of couple of degrees of separation. And I'll do the same. And we're just we're we're gonna kind of work together like that. And I would say, I mean, the, the ugly version of that, I suppose, is like riding someone's coattails. But like, <laughs> I, but I mean, it's, but it's kind of true, right? Like, start with one and say, like, you're my pal now. And then share. I, I think just share willingly. I think there's a lot of desire to be like, my time and my content is worth something. I should get paid for it. And that is not wrong. But I don't think anyone is going to give money to someone that they've never heard of uh, or buy stuff from someone who is previously unpublished. And so I just started sharing all my stuff 
and I didn't ex- expect anything, uh, anything for it. And over time, got introduced to uh, Matthew Casnelli, who was like on the marketing team for Workflow, and then left after Apple acquired them, and is like the preeminent shortcuts guy and 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 Christopher Lawley who is a YouTube producer and and uh, makes all kinds of wonderful uh, YouTube content and and is very keen on shortcuts I'm just getting I'm getting word in I'm actually getting news that Martin has given us a little something he's given us a recording like I did last week Oh. On my business corner, Lean Manufacturing, which was fantastic, by the way. Everybody should listen to that. Martin has contributed something, so I think we may have to jump over to that. Jason, have you have you have you got that ready, queued up, and ready to go? Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I do. Um, it's ready to go. I'm terrified. More or I don't know if I'm more terrified to hear what he has to say versus what you had to say. I pretty well know you in terms of what you were going to go after and it was going to be something provocatively amazing did i did i characterize that correctly uh, yeah it, yes yeah. it was yeah, lean I manufacturing laundry, i so. hope your laundry is in much better working order than it was yeah i i fortunately we do chapters here so i just skipped that chapter but i bet it was like really good so i i applaud everyone who made it through that all right we'll go to martin in three two one The editors of Hemispheric Views wish to advise that the following segment contains both crude humour and adult themes. You have been warned. Hello, it's Martin Feld, currently absent from the rest of the podcast. I do apologise for that. Family commitment came up, but I'm here now and I'm going to be road testing a new segment just with you called Storytime with Feld. And it may be something that we revisit in future when I'm back in the makeshift digital studio with Andrew and Jason, but we'll see how it goes today. And the premise is simple. I'm going to be telling you a story or stories in each story time with Feld. This first one is going to be a bit of a weird experiment. I'm going to be telling you three very quick stories. Two of them will be true. They did happen to me or I was involved with them. And one of them will be false. It didn't happen to me. Now, I don't recall if I've told Andrew and Jason any of these stories before, and I'm pretty sure I've certainly told family or family has been involved. So maybe they're exempt or they shouldn't participate in this. But for all of you other listeners out there, once I've told them, you'll be able to go to our Hemispheric Views Discord to the hashtag ShowTalk channel, and there will be a poll there for you to vote which one wasn't true, which one did not happen to me, even though I told you here on Storytime with Feld that it was true. So I'm going to be telling each one by one, and at the end, you can go there and vote. And next time on the podcast, I will reveal which one did not really happen to me. All right, let's kick it off. So the first story involves a birthday of mine years ago, right? A bit younger. And I decided, you know what? I want to go go go-karting on my birthday. We'll go with my uncle and my dad. They are interested in two other friends. Now, my birthday is in summer, so it does get quite hot, but you never know. It can cool down a little bit. So we decided to go go go-karting, and I was feeling a little bit motion sick on the way up because I don't do terribly well uh, as a passenger if I don't have good visibility, but generally driving, no worries, it's fine. Well, this time was 
quite a different story because even though I had gone go-karting before, hence my interest to go on my birthday, it was so warm and I was so affected by the fumes that I started to feel a bit unwell. I'm going round and round and round, seem generally fine, but it just gets worse. It gets hotter. The fumes are there. It's like sticky. I feel sticky inside my helmet and it's just bad news. And then all of a sudden going around a particular corner, it hits me. Bang. Gigantic vomit explosion out of my mouth, covers all of the inside of the visor and my face and the helmet. And it's just, I'm just soaked in chunder. I'm sorry that this is a really bad image for all of you just imagining spew, but this is just the way that it went. Got out, everyone's thinking, how on earth does someone vomit inside their own helmet when they're driving? Well, I managed to pull it off. If you mix the right amount of general passenger motion sickness with extreme summer heat and carbon monoxide, that's what you get. I spewed in my helmet on my birthday. That brings us to story number two. Now, for everyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while, you would have gathered that I'm a fairly extroverted person. I'm comfortable talking to people at length, whether it's on a podcast or trapping them in person at any retail situation. There was a time, though, when I was less comfortable, in fact, somewhat anxious about talking to larger groups of people, uh, particularly strangers. And that became identified by the family. I had I kind of owned up to the fact that I was a bit anxious about it. So they decided to sign me up for a program, which at the time was a bit mysterious and they didn't tell me what it was. Looking back on that now, it seems a bit ridiculous because uh, you've got this anxious teenager who wants to resolve an issue. So what do you do? You sign them up for a program where they don't know what's involved. Anyway, cutting to the point, It involved going to a bus stop locally in Wollongong and meeting an instructor there and a small group of other people who also needed some sort of help with their general nervousness or anxiety. I got there and there was this uh, instructor with her clipboard and a couple of other people showed up, someone close to my age, teenage years, and a few older people, middle-aged I'd say. And she said, look, what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be exposing you to the idea that if you embarrass yourself in public, there will be no repercussions. So we're going to get on the bus and we're going to sit in different seats. And what you're going to do is as we drive, you'll each be assigned a bus stop and you will stand up and shout it without warning as you approach. So people know to get off. And we said, are you kidding? We're not doing this. And she said, look, it seems a bit unorthodox, but we're going to do it. So we all nervously got on. I was assigned to Church Street in Wollongong. And as Church Street came up, I had to muster up the courage with a person sitting next to me to stand up and yell Church Street before Church Street was actually reached by the bus. And I had to do this and I learned, wow, this is actually okay. It's not that bad. Went away, came back for a follow up. And there were a few of these, but one that particularly stuck with me and was very embarrassing. And the person almost lost lost it at me on the bus was I actually had to go up and we each did this. We actually had to go up to someone who was sitting by themselves in one of the bus seats and say to them, can I please sit there? This bus could have been totally empty and it was empty for a few of us. Walk up and say, I want that seat and just see if they would get up and do it. The person I went up to was not so obliging and actually got the major shits with me. So I actually had to sheepishly walk away. But over time, doing different things and we actually went beyond transport, the situation improved. So I'd like to think that I'm a little bit more talkative with strangers now because of that ridiculous program. But I'm not sure that it would work for everyone. That brings us to the third and final story of Storytime with Feld. 
And this one also involves transport, but it's from a later time in my life. When I was commuting to and from Sydney, I did the train all the way for a while, didn't like it after a bit. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this kind of mixed mode thing. I'm going to drive halfway, get out, walk to a station in a place called Sutherland, and then uh, which is in South Sydney, and then take the train the rest of the way up. Well, one evening when I was doing the reverse, going back home, I was on the train and I was on the way to Sutherland and we stopped at a station called Hurstville. And on stumbled this woman while I was sitting in the vestibule. I didn't want to go up to the other seats. She came up to me and she said, oh, how are you going? And I just responded, oh, not bad. I didn't really know the person, but she spoke with a kind of familiarity. And then I worked out, ah, this is a bit of a shame. She seems kind of alcohol or drug affected, but she was perfectly friendly. Just wanted to kind of show me photos on her phone of her dogs. And I was like, okay, no worries. So we're sitting there and time's kind of going slowly. I really want to get to the station and just go home. I just want to get in my car and drive home. But this talk just keeps going forever. And she's showing me pictures of her dog over and over again, telling me her family and life story and all this stuff. And she's really not with it. She seems kind of a bit spacey. But then all of a sudden, something weird happens. She makes this kind of uh, like groaning noise. And then she leans back. She's wearing this dress. And she actually, I kid you not, projectile urinates across the vestibule such that it is hitting the seat opposite us. And I've gone, whoa, what the hell is going on? So I leapt up, backed away, and she was super apologetic. And I said, no, no, that's fine. But are you all right? Because I just didn't want to get hit by urine. And then she was just kind of in a daze and said, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm so sorry. And she was really apologetic. And she said, I understand if you don't want to sit here. And I said, I might just move. She seemed fine, but I didn't want to move. And then all of a sudden, the train is going up this slight incline on the rail. It's this, this slight hill. And all of the urine on the floor starts to cascade down towards the steps. And I have to like jump, hoping not to get splashed as she's like in this daze. I confirm she was all right, but uh, that is a particularly traumatizing urine-related public transport incident that I will never forget. And now hopefully is burnt into your minds as well. So that brings us to the end of Storytime with Feld. I hope you enjoyed those three stories. Good luck deciding which one out of those three did not in fact happen to me. Thank you for your time. Catch you soon. There's Martin. Okay, that was great. Thanks, Martin. Yeah. Thank you, Martin. That was, oh my, wow. Can you, whoo, that was. Scotty, you still with us or are you blown away? Where do you even begin? I mean, I, I there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here. So I think. I mean, can I come back for the next four episodes so that we could do a series? It feels like this could be an adjacent kind of side series, probably, right? To really unpack what just happened. Oh my here. gosh, a limited run. <sighs> this could be one Prime Plus material. We haven't even mentioned. Oh. Have you what? heard the good word? Yeah, Scotty, do you know the good word? Do you know the good word, Scotty, about OnePrimePlus.com? It's in the long game. No, Scott, Scotty has no idea. He's he's looking at a stunt. No, 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 I do. I mean, as a, as a, as a registered hemispherian, as a registered conscripted. <laughs> we, we, I wrote it we on require a bathroom everyone wall to register, absolutely. We I, need to know where you are at all times. I, I, as a hemispherian, I am, I am familiar with OnePrimePlus.com, absolutely. So OnePrimePlus, uh, I would like to give a shout out to our newest OnePrimePlus member extraordinaire, Patrick C. 
is now part of the OnePrimePlus.com community, which is always thank. We're thankful for that always. We love having you on board. You have, this is now the point in the show where I remind everyone who's part of OnePrimePlus.com that they have access to special episodes that are within the Patreon feed. They have the uh, monthly newsletter. You get the whole back catalog in there. You get stickers. So make sure you email email me directly because our show email I find to be questionable. So yeah, OnePrimePlus.com is the place to go to get all of that. Sign up. You can be a Northern supporter, a Southern supporter, you could be a global supporter if you're like really crazy and really want to show your support. So thank you all to the One Prime Plus members, especially Patrick C., who is the newest member of OnePrimePlus.com. And Patrick C., this is throwing, I haven't, I haven't appropriately doxed Patrick C. as of yet, mm. but mm. I've got so many like questions flying around in my head because as you know, sometimes we have comments on the names of our new One Prime Plusians. Mm. Um, Patrick C., now, my surname is Canyon, with a C. I have a sibling, a brother, whose first name is Patrick. Ooh. So I've got questions as, is this my brother? Could be. But then my brother in all my life has never willingly given me money. So it doesn't check out. Can I add one uh, extra piece of One Prime Plus uh, knowledge? Can I drop on you real quick? Sure, do it. I have been playing with Dolly, that weird AI image thing, like probably an unhealthy amount in the last month where you like type in random crap and it makes up images out of some kind of artificial something or other, whatever. I'm obsessed with it. What I would like to do being that I have access to this is I would like for all one prime plus members to submit the most bonkers phrase or thing you can think of within reason, because it does have some legal things around it, but keep that in mind. Submit your phrase. I will input it into the Magic Dolly 2 system and spit out four artificial images created out of your phrase and send them to you uh, via your whatever method you want, email, Discord, whatever. But I'm just, I'm obsessed with this Dolly thing. I don't know. Scotty, have you seen some of the stuff coming out of this Dolly 2 thing? I've seen a couple of the, uh, like, like people using it for, um, like for generating avatars or something like that. I don't know if it's the same same one, but I'm very curious about uh, what role these kinds of very advanced um, content creating AIs could play and and what what and and, and how they could be used. I, I'm very curious to see how this. Uh, uh, see, I've got a research assignment. I can tell you the two biggest uses I see them for right now are creating, just like you said, creating your kind of profile image for a social media application or creating really weird cover art for a uh, album for a band. It does those two so well. Um, for instance, I did one that was a simple one, a cat wearing a hoodie while hacking into a computer. And it made four of my favorite images I've ever seen. So yeah, wow. submit your, submit your phrases. I will put them into the magical machine and they will spit out the other end with something amazing and everyone will be the better for it. So that is the end of one prime plus.com. In the summer times, in the summer times I used to stay with my grandma for 
a couple of weeks and she had three channels. And on the Saturday, I would be so excited to wake up for cartoons, like finally a show for me. And I would get up, but it would be too early. And I would have to stare at color bars until the color bars went away. And then the national anthem was played. And then it was time for my shows. And I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's a, a whole, a whole new world. Scotty, being Canadian, you actually might be able to help me out with this. And this is related. A little while ago, okay. I went searching back through various streaming services, various backs of trucks, looking for a show called a Canadian show. This is where the link is. You can't do that on television. Do you remember this show? It was uh, okay. It was like a kid, kids, I, like a twink, teenagery kids show, and they used they used to throw slime on people, and they had like a chef who was really disgusting. He made like barf. you know. If, Barf. His name is Barth. Thank you. You do know what Barth's I'm talking Spurgers. about. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this that that show actually produced a lot of a lot of like young talent grew up. Yeah, Alanis Morissette yes. was on. Uh, yep. was on was on that show, uh, among others. We used to get it on our ABC, our, our sort of public broadcaster over here in Australia. And I loved it when I was a kid and I've, I wanted to watch it and I wanted to show my kids that what we used to watch in the eighties, but I can't find it anywhere. I'm wondering, is it still available in Canada? YouTube. Given that it's- no, I don't think so. But YouTube, I mean, it, that, I, I would, yeah. I would hunt YouTube for it. Um, but it had a very um, sort of Monty Python esque opening with like, um, with that, like that style of, of like cutout animation of like, people going through a factory and being built. And yeah, if you said, I don't know, you got slimed. Yes. If you said water, you had water, water dumped on you. <laughs> and they had like this row of like school lockers. And one of them would open the door and call for another one. And then they would open their door and say, yep. Yeah. And then they would do like back and forth jokes. And, oh, I remember that show very well. That was, that was classic. So Jason, we now have a, a Canadian Hemispheric Reviews embassy. We've just established an outpost. It sounds like it. Yeah, I think that's great. Absolutely. You just you present your credentials at the door, and we'll we, we've got all of the amenities already all set up for all Canadian and traveling hemispherians right here uh, in Canada. I've been to Canada, I think, three times, so I think that should at least give me a little bit of credibility. I've been to Australia zero times, so already shows you where my alliance is. And I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that we're attached. That's clearly, that's irrelevant. The drivability difference is, is palpable. Yes. Australia shall attach to no one. We are our own independent nation, just with a little bit of English thrown in that we can't seem to get rid of. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the Australian um, being up on a pedestal as usual, uh, let's end it there. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Scotty. I would love for you to list out the many places, even though I, I think we've we've covered a lot, but let's get it all into like one nice tight chunk at the end of where folks can get a hold of you, find your shortcuts, listen to your podcasts, and any other cool things you're doing on the internet these days. Sure. Thanks, you guys, so much for having me. This has been an absolute riot. Uh, I, I can be found on the internet at heyscottyj.com or by the same name on Twitter, hey Scotty J. Uh, you can find the podcast, Nested Folders Podcast, 
Facebook.com that I do with Rosemary Orchard. There are not all the ways. That's it. Those are the only ways. (laughs) He's like, that's it, folks. Well, I'll, I'll work on you and I'll, I'll get you on micro.blog someday. But you know what I need is I need my best friend at the micro.blog conference. And I think I found them. And so if you'll hold my hand and show me around and then we can make great content together.